This is a golden opportunity for those companies out there and those leaders that recognize this is a chance to fix what is, you know is not working, hasn't been working, and create a new, better, what undoubtedly is going to be some form of hybrid, meaning on-site and remote work future, those are the companies that are going to gain not only in terms of their ability to attract and keep talent, but ultimately they're going to be the outperformers in their industries. Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world-class performance. I'm Franco Giramonti, your host for today's podcast, and my guests are Tony DiRomaldo, Senior Research Director within our HR Advisory Practice, and David Polachuk, a Senior Director as well uh, from our HR Advisory Practice at the Hackett Group. Gentlemen, welcome to today's podcast. Hey, Franco. Great to be here. Thanks, Franco. Look forward to chatting with you guys. So today's podcast, we're going to be talking about winning HR strategies for the new hybrid workplace. And I want to start off my first question with Tony. Uh, Tony, we hear a lot about the return to the office and should this really be about the future of work and the opportunity to redesign work for the better? Absolutely, Franco. I mean, this has been our key message uh, in the research we've been doing this year and in a lot of the guidance we've been providing to clients. I, I think the last thing we should be trying to do is to go back to the way things were or even to just focus on the tactical issues. And, and there are many important ones you know, regarding bringing people workers back to the office or working in a hybrid mode, you know, where, where people are going to be spending some time at home and some time at the office. To me, the, the key thing here is that we have what is really an unprecedented opportunity to take what we've learned from what has been a now one and a half year experiment for many people working remotely and to use that learning to redesign work for the better. And, you know, it's interesting. I think most of us who've been working remotely uh, over this time, we know viscerally, you know, what aspects of our work, of our jobs are really conducive to doing remotely and, you know, what aspects are not. And, you know, our research shows that you know, many people enjoy and they value having, you know, the kind of flexibility and autonomy in doing their jobs. And that's been afforded to them, you know, since COVID and since those who've, who've been uh, able to work remotely have been doing so. And I think this is especially true around, you know, the issues around, you know, choice or the opportunity to control where we work, when we work. And, you know, what we do with our time, the kind of work we're doing. And so I, I think, you, you know, we now know that uh, around the um, working remotely. I think we've got some good insight into that. But I also think we appreciate uh, perhaps more than ever what we miss, uh, 
you know, we haven't been to the office, most of us, uh, for a year and a half. So we, 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 we kind of know viscerally as well what we miss around working at the office and the things that we know can be done much better when we're together and in the same place. Yeah, no, it's interesting how you point that out, Tony. It's like a, it's like the great experiment and we have actual results to, to start, you know, analyzing, I guess, uh, over to you, Dave, you know, what are you seeing or hearing from our clients in this particular area? Is it aligning with what, uh, what Tony's seeing as well from the research side? Well, I think a key thing is that this is all still a grand experiment. And with the COVID rates and vaccination rates all fluctuating and so much uncertainty in the talent markets, we really see that this is going to be a continued experiment for the next probably 18, maybe 24 months at least. And and so with that in mind, our kind of push to clients and, and HR teams is create as much flexibility as you can for both employer and employee. And so that means where you typically haven't thought about flexibility for employees in terms of like work schedules for hourly employees, see if there's ways you can inf- inf- uh, infuse some amount of flexibility there that allows both employer and employee employee to win over time. And when you think about geographic flexibility, of course, as the markets tighten and loosen, the more flexibility you as the employer have to be searching beyond just your headquarters metropolitan area for uh, for talent, you're better off. So in general, I think our push is and where we see things headed is towards greater flexibility for employee and employer and also sort of a level playing field or a more level playing field in terms of the power dynamics in negotiating all of this between employer and employee. So I think a lot a lot to be learned in the coming uh, coming months. Thank you, Dave. So Tony, can we uh, talk a bit about what are the challenges that companies need to overcome to create a future workplace? Sure, Franco. I think there are two main ones that I think need to be noted. The first is what I think, you know, as we look at all that's happened since COVID and as we're trying to shift to the current environment and design our workplace, uh, I think what's been going on kind of underneath the big picture shift has been in the dynamic between employer and employee. You know, COVID was a watershed moment for that. And I think over the last year and a half, things have changed and they're not going to go back to the way they were before. And I'll use an analogy that's quite near and dear to me because I'm a parent of three college graduates. And it's it's when, you know, your kids go off to college for that first year and then, you know, they come back home for summer. Uh, for, the, for the young adult, um, you know, after spending a year on their own, right, they no longer have parents micromanaging them, telling them what to do right? They're used to making decisions on their own. They return home, uh, you know, with a permanently changed uh, perspective and expectation. And, you know, I think we all have faced that where that what was pre-college sort of parent-adolescent relationship now has to become more of a parent-adult one. And, you know, for some people, that's very hard. Others make that decision, uh, that transition smoothly. And I think what's happened now is that, you know, for many companies, 
they had sort of this parent, the employer's the parent, and the uh, employee has been the adolescent being told what to do. But over the last uh, 18 months working remotely, they've had been granted a lot more flexibility and they, and they don't want to give it up. And so I think that's something that's uh, at play here and really needs to be addressed. And we're seeing it in terms of different companies where, you know, companies had more of an adult to adult relationship. This transition is not such a big deal. Uh, whereas where the leadership is used to more of a command and control and so on, those are the types of organizations where we're seeing this creating a lot of friction. And there's a lot of pushback uh, from the rank and file worker. I think the second uh, very, I think, significant um, issue that for many people, I think, is a little bit under the radar is the need to rethink the purpose of the office, right? I, I think executives a lot are kind of pining to bring people back together. I mean, clearly, we see the the deficiencies of some of the ways of working remotely when it comes to connecting with our colleagues, you know, not physically seeing them, to be able to collaborate when you've got new people coming on board, building those relationships, mentoring, and so on. Very important, and often that is less difficult to do in person. But I mean, the ugly truth is that companies with their pre-COVID, pre-pandemic office environments and cultures really in many ways, they were more of a hindrance to, to connectedness and collaboration than they were than they were a help. So I think uh, a savvy organizations are going to take a hard look at what do, how do we redesign our office configurations and just our way of operating when to, when we're together? why we should be together in the first place, what we should be doing and designing, whether it's the physical environment or the processes in which we bring people together and what they do in a way that really maximizes being together and the benefits of being in person. Yeah, that's a very interesting point of view, Tony. I particularly like your um reference to to the uh you know the kids heading off to college and coming back i i can relate because i also have kids coming from college and i and i definitely see the the power dynamics changing there but you know uh, there is this dynamic i guess from you know between the c-suite and the ranking file and uh, you know dave you know you're in the field you're talking with a lot of clients uh what are you seeing around this particular issue that tony's bringing up yeah, I think it's, first of all, I would just want to echo that it's a great uh, analogy. And, and I think similar to, you know, the parenting analogy in this situation is that parents can't slow down this process, right? It just happens. Our kids grow up and they are going to come back home with their own preferences and judgments and whatnot. And I think one of the things we're encouraging employers to think about is that this is not necessarily something that they can just decide to rein in. It's a change that's really happening beyond any one company's boundaries. And so we're all going to have to, you know, adapt to the changes that uh, that go along with it. So, I mean, we definitely see across the board, 
the tension between employees and executives is kind of how it seems to play out with HR in some cases or in many cases stuck in the middle. And so what can HR do to sort of broker this negotiation between the employee base that wants greater flexibility and a C-suite that not in all cases, but in, in many is, is leaning towards wanting people in the office. And our, our view of that, our advice on that and where we see best practices is in leaning into pragmatism, meaning as you think about, you know, what productivity means and how it's being measured, tackle that topic as productivity and not as where should people be working. Often what we're seeing is the C-suite concern is, is um, presented as a concern about productivity. And there's one of, uh, one of the CHROs we work with in uh, automotive manufacturing has his, his standard pushback to his C-suite peers is tell me about the productivity issues. Let's address those. Where do we have a project that's fallen behind and costing us millions of dollars? Or tell us where our manufacturing yields are going down. Let's tackle those as problems, but not assume that you know remote or in-person is, uh, is the key differentiator there. So that pragmatism, I think, is really important in thinking about you know, how remote working can impact productivity. And then I think there are harder topics too to unpack as it relates to where HR has some concerns, which is typically around collaboration and culture. There's a there's sort of a perspective that you have to be in person for certain types of collaboration to happen or in order to create culture. And again, our push to our client base is really think through that pragmatically. What does collaboration actually mean? And in a lot of cases, what you'll hear, what you'll hear as we're hearing from employees is that Collaboration is actually, it can be enhanced by, um, not by the fact of working remotely, but by the tools we employ when we're working remotely, and that in many cases, it's not inhibited at all. And so really breaking down both culture and collaboration, which are these buzzwords that um, are more on the HR side of the equation as concerns about remote working, break those down into specifics. And as you're thinking about which roles can be effective remotely or in a hybrid situation, really think about what is the nature of collaboration or what is the nature of the culture you're trying to create. And um, going back to Tony's point that, you know, or, or that, that, that the employee base has sort of grown up or matured and demonstrated its ability to pre be productive remotely, you're going to have to reconcile it. And so, uh, so again, pragmatism is uh, hopefully going to win the day. That pragmatism theme um, empowered through data and transparency. Uh, you know, there's a lot of emotion in in some of these issues. And I think if we if we can and this is where HR comes into the, you know, as the in-between, the go-between between employers and employees to really collect data, understand where employees are, where the executive suite is, what's kind of more perception versus reality. And that's where the data and being transparent. So everyone's seeing seeing that data and you start, you know, as as Dave made with that um, example he gave of the one of his clients, you're you're focusing on the objective, on the real issues and you know what the data is telling us, I think is is going to be a key. Yeah, it's it's almost like HR is is obviously in the middle here and it's trying to reconcile, you know, these different contradictory views. Not in all organizations, I think in some cases we're hearing where the C-suite is aligned with their work rank and file uh, in terms of around remote work, but in some cases they're not. And you know, I I know 
Tony, you mentioned about data and and you know collecting data and providing a point of view. But but Dave, can you also talk a little bit about flexibility, like in terms of the strategy going forward? What does that mean for HR? Well, I think there's a win-win when we can create flexibility in where work can get done and how, and and then flexibility that employ you know both employer and employee can have a conversation. So you might say for a particular workforce segment. You know, by and large, the work can be done remotely, but we'd like to have some in-person contact. So we're going to have a you know a day a week or a couple of days a month in person. You might say that for the workforce overall, but then or for a workforce segment, but then also allowing the employees to come to the table. And we're hearing this as as a, a practice in place in most companies that are going hybrid, is that the employees do have the option to say, "Hey, I understand there's sort of an approach that's been determined for my job." But my circumstances um, warrant a different outcome. So I may have, you know, immunocompromised family members and I really don't feel comfortable going into a physical workplace where I might get exposed. Or it might be the opposite. I might not have a workspace at home uh, where that's conducive to, to working at home. That, that's typically, I think, a little bit more in, in, in the Western world and in the U.S. We have, you know, essentially more space in our homes. So that's more likely we're going to have dedicated workspaces, not for everybody, certainly, but for many, whereas there are parts of the world where that's just not commonplace. And so you really need the opportunity for folks to uh, to have the flexibility they need. So I think, you know, in the current state, that's where we think about flexibility is a win-win. Um, but then there's also over time, the idea of really thinking through um, how do you change the work itself so that somebody who has to, you know, come in to um, check samples in a lab, could that be done um, you know, through robotics and could they be actually checking those samples remotely? So those kinds of things. So we definitely see the opportunity to, to adjust work over time. What I do see as, and I hope this isn't offensive to anybody, I'll say it's a cop-out a bit, is those companies that have gone with a, just a forced, everybody's going to be in the workplace two or three days a week. And it's a top-down edict that isn't sensitive to the differences of different jobs. To me, that, and, and we've talked about it within Hackett, that's kind of like the trend towards more casual attire at work. I remember that one of the companies I worked for, and this goes back maybe 15, 20 years, we had Jeans Fridays during baseball season in the U.S. And then gradually that became Jeans Fridays uh, year round. And then eventually we realized we're just going to have to be more flexible about attire in general. And I think that's part of what we're going to see here is those companies that opt for a more limited approach, like a two or three day a week um, hybrid approach. Um, you know, maybe this is their foray into flexible working and that they'll push it further over time. But ultimately, as many CHROs have acknowledged to us, the markets are going to decide this. I mean, alongside remote working and, and the pandemic and making all these decisions about where do we want people to work, there's also the question of, can we find people to work? And most employers, I just got off the phone right before this with a talent acquisition leader who is stressed with incredible high volumes of, uh, of, of recs to fill. Turnover is increasing even at an employer of choice and, uh, and the compensation and benefits are evolving faster than anybody can keep track of with current employers offering huge increases in salary and promotions to keep people it's really hard to peg even the, the compensation you should offer a new candidate. So you got to overlay on this the market forces and assume it's an experiment that's going to play out as those market forces uh, hopefully settle down in the next couple of years. You know, um, 
you're you're sort of putting on your uh, futuristic cap there, Dave. Uh, I like I like how you were sort of taking this out into the future. Uh, Tony, maybe you could comment as well. I mean, where do you see this strategy uh, ha- going over time? Yeah, I, I mean, Dave made some excellent points, and I think, as I say, the you know the Pandora's box, if you will, has been opened. Uh, we're not going to go back to the way things were. And I think the future is a much more flexible future. And if we think about it, um, you know, trying to enforce this one size fits all, in effect, is basically mandating sub-optimization. You know, we're basically saying, you know, everybody do this. And for some people, that will be helping them to maximize their productivity. But what we've seen for a lot of people that may be actually deteriorating their their productivity. So I think the future is more individual. It's greater flexibility and pragmatism. And again, it's around redesigning your workplace strategy in a way that looks at how do we gain as a whole rather than, you know, how do we restore uh, our perceptions of what was the status quo. And I think this is, as I say, we've been saying, this is a golden opportunity for those companies out there and those leaders that recognize this is a chance to fix what is, you know is not working, hasn't been working, and create a new, better, what undoubtedly is going to be some form of hybrid meaning on-site and remote work uh, future, those are the companies that are going to gain not only in terms of their ability to attract and keep talent, but ultimately they're going to be the outperformers in their industry. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, Tony. I think even before COVID, I think many organizations were struggling to get the level of engagement up with employees and the level of commitment. I think this just provides a clean slate, great opportunity for organizations to do that. Either way, it, it really does put our HR function right in the middle of this golden opportunity for HR, as you say, you know, to to help organizations and employees navigate this uh, massive amount of change. So I appreciate it. Well, gentlemen, it looks like uh, we're out of time. And I do want to thank you, Tony and Dave, uh, for joining me and sharing your fantastic insights on this really important topic. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thank you and, and have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcast.thehackagroup.com. If you liked this episode, please share it. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. We'd welcome your feedback by tapping the rating on this or any episode, or send us an email at podcast at thehackagroup.com. The Hackett Group is a global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehackagroup.com.